Hey guys, this is Hunter Levine and thank you for listening to the Captain's Collective Podcast. Brought to you by Skinny Water Culture, Turtle Box Audio, Florida Fishing Products, Costa Sunglasses, and Orvis Fly Fishing. In today's episode, we sit down for a round two interview with Brett Martina of Appalachian Shore. In this podcast, Brett shares about what his off-season is like, the importance of always pushing yourself to learn new things, how he manages clients, what he does to stay on top of an always changing fishery, and what he learned about life from a serious car accident that Brett, his wife, and a close client got into a few years back. Brett also shares more stories about tarpon fishing as a kid in Apalachicola, and how in some ways he's changed, and in some ways he's found it important to stay the same and stay true to himself. Brett is a self-proclaimed homebody who has built a great reputation for putting clients on fish and is known for his Southern charisma. We hope that you enjoy. Thank you for listening. This is the Captain's Collective. All right. Hey, Brett, thanks for stopping by and giving us another round two podcast, making a little bit of time today. So appreciate it. I appreciate you having me here today. Yeah. So what have you been up to the past couple months? Just kind of tarping seasons off. So what's that look like for you? So I got just... I ended my redfish season in December, um, and then after that, I typically go to Texas for a week to Roy and Ryan's mm-hmm. uh, hunt out there, and then I've been hunting around here lately, just bow hunting primarily. Yeah, all whitetail. Yeah, all much. whitetail, pretty much. What's What's your Texas trip usually look like? Uh, it's seven days typically. Um, go out there, hang out with Roy. I do some cooking for him. Uh, and that's just, yeah, that's really about it on that one. Did you grow up doing that or? No, I just started going out there probably four years ago. Okay. Uh, last year I went to Mexico. Uh, a guy named Greg Allman. He's got um some property down there across the border around mm-hmm. Guerrero. Went down there for seven days and shot a 175 free range with my bow, which was pretty awesome. Yeah. And then, so you didn't grow up shooting a bow or even? I bow hunted when I was in like middle school and high school. Then yeah. I got out of it and primarily just duck hunted yeah. for a long time. And my public water kind of got ruined with the duck hunting, you know, the duck dynasty deal and all that stuff. Yeah. And Instagram and Facebook, you know, everything blew up at one point. And I, I like to try to shoot good birds and not buffalo heads and bluebills and things like that. So that kind of pushed me out of the space. Yeah, what did it look like for you? Because you were already established, pretty established in your fishing to pick up a new interest, a new hobby, and kind of be at the beginning of the learning curve. What, as far as the bow? Yeah. Oh, well, I did it when I was young, but this time when I stepped into the bow hunt, I took it to a whole different level with, you know, the tuning and, you know, basically setting my bow up from start to finish, mm-hmm. you know, and doing the, you know, as far as shimming cams, uh, you know, doing all the all the air testing, broadhead tuning, mm-hmm. all that stuff. There's so much more once you dive into it mm-hmm. now than what it was for, you know, when I was young. And I've noticed, obviously, a lot of guys who are in the fishing industry and fish a ton, when it comes time to the off-season, they're, you know, they still like to fish, but it's time to do something new. Like, yeah. for you, what does that season do for you as a guide? I probably just resets your clock a little bit, you know. Mm-hmm. Um once you get done hunting a little bit, then you're kind of ready to go back to work. Like now I'm kind of jonesing. I'm ready to go back. I'm ready to start my season and, you know, get to hang out with my clients, you know. Mm-hmm. How do you get ready for season? Like, is there a big process on that? Is it just getting back on the water or do you have kind of a 
a mm. regimen that you follow? Well, typically I talk to all my guys, you know, get my calendar in order. That's my first thing. That's what I've been working on this past week, mm. you know, organize all that. Then you get your gear, you know, you talk to your guys. I talk to my guys at Orvis and then Sims and, you know, Hills Bay right now. I just did my build sheet on my new marathon mm-hmm. and we're working on getting that should hopefully in the next few weeks. Anything different about this one than the one you were running last year? Or? No, it's pretty much the same boat. Um, I've ran that one for four years now, mm-hmm. the white boat I was running. But this one's going to be pretty much set up very similar. Mm-hmm. Nothing, No major changes. And you had a, a vehicle accident that was pretty serious with that a couple of years ago. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my wife broke her back. Mm-hmm. Um, was actually on 98. I had my client uh, and friend, Tim Tindall, with me. And guy pulled out in front of us. I couldn't stop. It was going like 40, something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, hit him on his front quarter panel and shot the boat off down Highway 98. Whew. Boat, six hours later, Dan at Hells Bay had it fixed up, ready to go. Man. So it, Did it just ride? Did it just get a ton of asphalt? It had some road rash, rash but it yeah. was not bad. You yeah. know, it was not as bad as you would expect. Yeah. And so what was the recovery like for your wife for that? Uh, That's pretty... It still, I mean, her back still bothers her, but mm-hmm. um, I'd probably say a solid four months before she was good to go again. Mm-hmm. I was with uh, Travis Huckabee that day when when the accident happened. I know a lot of people were pretty shook up from it because it could have been. It could have been anybody, bad, you yeah. know, and it could have been bad. You know, luckily it was a, in a spot where the speed limit wasn't, you know, mm-hmm. too crazy. It was just a weird angle. I don't know exactly. I was fine. Tim was pretty good. You know, he, we were stove up a little bit, but it wasn't nothing major. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't even think my airbags went off. Did How long did it take for you to get back out on the water? Uh, well, I stayed in the – well, luckily Tim took care of me. I was in the hospital with her for a week. Mm-hmm. You know, and Tim stayed – my client actually stayed at my house, watched my dogs for me, took care of everything at the house while I was wow. at the hospital with her. Did that make any change? Like, did you, did that kind of, was that a near death experience to some extent? So, so what I, what I learned from that experience is I I will never forget that morning. I wanted to get to the spot and Tim wanted to get a coffee from the junior store. And I told him, I said, so we ain't got time for no coffee. Yeah. So now I learned from that, that you always have time for coffee now. (laughs) You know what I (laughs) mean? Like, (laughs) ain't no fish worth that. Yeah. You know, like, it just take your time, enjoy it. I mean, even though, even if you take your time, you can still get in a wreck. But, you know, I just thought about that split second that I said no coffee, that would have saved us from getting in that wreck, you know? Yeah. Do you feel like for you, I mean, you're pretty, you're pretty passionate about what you do with Tarpon. And as you kind of look back at how you've been evolving the last 10 years, what are some of the big changes? Is it stuff like Rush or what, what, what big changes have you made as a guide? As you've oh, I still more? learned I don't know shit. You know, mm-hmm. anybody says they know everything, man, they're full of shit. Yeah. You know, like one thing as a fit, like we, we guess what we're going to do, you mm-hmm. know? I mean, you know what things are going to happen at certain times, but in the grand scheme of things, you still don't know much at mm-hmm. all, you know? And I, I feel like I'm still, the, the urge to learn more is really what keeps you going, you know? Yeah. Zero me in on what it looks like for you to because there's always this balance too of like you're trying to do stuff that you know will work or you think will work and then you're trying to learn new stuff and you're in the middle of season so you're trying to mix in scouting and how do you think through all that oh well i mean over time you know you you basically learn what the fish are going to do and you can dictate 
sometimes, you know, you can dictate what they're going to do mm-hmm. on the spots, the tides, the wind, so forth and so forth. But our fishery is also changing, mm-hmm. you know, yearly. It's a, something's different every year. You know, the way they swim this edge, the way they swim that edge, or, you know, what they do in this situation. It seems like that's evolving also. Yeah. You know, and I'm having to, you almost rewrite the book every year. You know, how much of that do you think is boat pressure and man-made change and how much is just naturally those fish just kind of, I think it's a little bit of both, you know, I think the, the grass in certain areas die, mm-hmm. you know, and it makes fish do different things, you know, cause basically, you know, if a fish is swimming down the edge, they hit a big wall of turtle grass, they turn, mm-hmm. you know, vice versa when that grass ain't there, they swim over, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that has definitely changed the way the fish swim on certain spots, you know, primary, like some of the best spots around here don't work like they used to. Mm-hmm. And so the, for you, do you find yourself every year trying to spend a certain amount of time at new stuff or stuff that you don't normally fish? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I try to, I mean, I try to find stuff that's out of the way from everybody, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, as, as your fishery evolves, like my goal is, is not fish around people, mm-hmm. you know, and, it, and it's becoming challenging not to do that. But your clients always want to be able to, you know, they want to enjoy their day. Yeah. You know, they don't want to be around six boats and be in some type of competition with these other guys. They just want to go out there and enjoy themselves, you know. And I've actually possibly lost some clients due to that reason, mm-hmm. you know, because they don't want to be around a bunch of people. Yeah, that's that's interesting, too, to think about, like, how people develop relationships with their clients. And there's certain things where you're like, okay, I want to be thoughtful about what you want or what you need. But then also there's, there's some point where you have a certain style or a certain way that you're doing things that you can't bend. I mean, how do you try to think through all that? Well, at the end of the day, um, and I think guides, you know, sometimes guides let it get to them that, you know, they sometimes they make it about themselves, but realistically it's not about you on the boat. Mm -hmm. You know, you just have to do your job to what makes your client happy. You know, as long as they're happy, you're good. Yeah. And, when you were kind of building your business, you were talking about right now you're trying to set up all the dates. I know some people, they just kind of, you know, it's like first come first serve, you call a year out and ask for those dates. I'm going to give them to you. How do you think about trying to manage your clients and set them up date wise? Cause it sounds like that's a little bit different than how some folks do it, where it's just kind of waiting for the phone to ring. You're, you're calling people and pitching different dates or no, I have my same clients every year. Mm-hmm. It's just organizing my schedule with theirs, you know? So I have some guys, like one of my main got Tim, that guy in the wreck. He uh, he's an electrician out in Texas, and uh, he's he's got a bunch of clinics he does, and he's busy with clinics this year. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to adjust schedule around, and you know, because he can't fish as much. Well, he's basically fishing the same amount of days, but just not the same days. So mm-hmm. some of my guys like Nate that runs Backbone Media, like we just got off phone with him. I've got to bring him up further in July to accommodate everybody. Okay, so for you, how many, roughly how many clients is kind of an ideal? For my whole tarpon yeah. season? Mm, probably 15, maybe 10. 15. 10, 10 to 15. So during that, you're just, you're pretty committed to 10 to 15 people. I think that seems like it would be a good way to approach stuff so that you can kind of keep it simple and be focused on that small little group rather than mm-hmm. always having new people come in and come out. What are the advantages to long-term clients as far as, Obviously, you get to know them better, what they're capable of. How does that flesh out? Uh, I think it's just, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, I know they call clients, but I think they become friends, mm-hmm. you know. I have some guys I've known 
before I started guiding, you know, like uh, Fitz Coker. I was fishing with Fitz, Jim LePage, and um, Perk Perkins when I was 17, mm-hmm. you know, before I even – I knew I wanted to be a guide, but, you know, it's just, it's just a relationship thing, you mm-hmm. know. Like my guys right now, I'll talk to some of them this afternoon because, you know, hell, they're just like family now, mm-hmm. you know. What's the biggest lesson you feel like you've learned from your clients? Mm, that's a great question. I don't know if I learned much from them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to tell them where to put invest some money. They won't tell me that. Yeah, they won't tell you? No, yeah. some of them will. But no, I've learned, you know, work ethic. You know, there's yeah. some of these guys I fish that have an incredible work ethic. And, you know, the way they treat their family, their, you know, their kids, mm-hmm. all that stuff, you kind of strive to, you know, they're somewhat of role models because they're all older than I am, you mm-hmm. know. When you look back to when you first first began, was there a moment for you that you thought about walking away oh, when no. you were young? No. So it's been, no, it's been no, 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 no. one step by one step. I will never walk away. What was the hardest challenge when you were beginning? You know, uh, I'm the hardest challenge was trying to be successful, you mm-hmm. know, trying to maybe overdo things at some time, you know. Yeah. I mean, I fished... Uh, one day, and I'll give an example. I was running a group trip and uh, with another guy, and it was for we was fishing for, for David at the time. And David kind of, I was young, but David mm-hmm. kind of got on to me. He's like, Brett, you can't do that when you're in a group trip. Like, I pulled my boat out and went 50 miles this way and fished till late in the afternoon. You know, we mm-hmm. had success, but it, it kind of put a bind, you know, on the other guy. Yeah. You know. With, with that type of thing, like – were the relationship piece natural for you when, cause obviously you, you love fishing you got into it, but you got to learn a lot about how to treat people and how to build relationships and how yeah. to network. Was yeah, that natural? I would say I've had some guys that probably don't see eye to eye with me. Mm-hmm. You know, I had one guy that wanted to do it his way and I wanted to do it my way, mm-hmm. you know, and we, you know, that relationship didn't go anywhere. What for you, like, what are those, like, if, if somebody shows up and they have these kind of things that they're dead set on doing, what are those specific things that you're like, that's just not going to fly with me? Oh, well, they just got to listen to me. You know, if they yeah. want to be successful, you know, and I'm, a, I'm up to learning from anybody. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not saying I know everything that needs to happen because I don't, you know, everybody's been in different situations where, you know, their way may work. You mm-hmm. know, I, what I've done here has obviously worked you know, mm-hmm. and it's produced and, you know, my clients are happy and that's really all I can do. So that's just a, to you, that's like a client who is insistent on, I want to use this fly. Yeah. I want to do it there. Position this yeah. boat or barking back at you. I don't have any of that. How does that conversation go when, uh, when you did have it in the past? Oh, I did. I just told him I'd take him back to the ramp. So you have a lot of those thing. moments. No, I've only had like one one guy. Give me, give me that story. Don't give me any details, but oh well, he was wasn't a bad guy. I mean, we ended on good terms. We was just like, so he come up here. He's always fished in the keys, you know. And I don't know who he fished with. Mm-hmm. He was a hard headed old dude. He was hard headed, and I brought him to a spot, and he wanted to do it his way. We was getting some shots. We weren't hooking anything. We weren't getting bites. Nothing. I said, hey man, do it this way and see how it works. So, anyways, we ended up catching like refish right after that we got back me and him sat there we talked on the way home we just talked it out and he was me and him kind of come to agreement was just like hey man this relationship ain't gonna work Mm -hmm. you know so he paid me for the next four days and he left and wow that was it hadn't heard back i hadn't reached out don't don't care to reach out Mm -hmm. 
you know. But most of my guys aren't like that. You yeah. Know? Most of them are sponges, you know. That's what I always like my guys to be. They try to listen to every little detail that I tell them. And, you know, they may come up with something on their own that I may need to listen. Yeah. You know. I've heard a few people kind of have those, let's just go back to the ramp stories. Yeah, and, I mean, I think it's happened with everybody. You yeah. Know, it's not just me or anybody, you know. But back in my younger days, I was a little more abrasive, you know, mm. a little more intense. You know, as you get older, you kind of, you don't lose your edge. You just kind of, you learn as you go, mm. you know. You learn how to take people's personalities. And there's some guys, you know, some younger guys I fish now that I give hell. You know, because mm-hmm. they're my buddies. Yeah. You know, I go deer hunt with them in Texas. We do all this stuff together and hell, I razz them. Yeah. I give them shit all day long. <laughs> so with like these guys, I know you're saying that Tim was in the truck with you riding around and I've noticed this with a good bit of guides that they have relationships off the water. And I mm-hmm. think sometimes people think, okay, I got to be there 30 minutes before them. And then they get there and they walk on the boat. I give them the best eight hours, six hours, whatever it is that I can. And then... There's no real relationship off the boat. Yeah, that's that's what I don't like. Yeah, you know, as far as a, as far as the clientele base is, it, it, that's just not that's just business. Yeah. You know, and life is so short that those relationships that you make with people are very special to me. Yeah. So what does that look like if someone's young and even if you're not doing a fishing business i mean just in general like you know the idea of there's the transaction of taking someone out on the boat but then there's the relationship behind it what things like would you encourage people to do to make those relationships deeper that you've learned communication you know don't call them so and i'm guilty of this like i'm not gonna say i like one of my clients this year um i hadn't talked to him off all vernon taylor he's one of my best guys he's Mm. awesome he's a great human um and I, and I made that mistake this year, you know, of not basically off all, not reaching out, talking to him, you know, because life kind of got busy with, you know, mm-hmm. being married now. You know, you have your own issues now. Mm-hmm. You know, when I was single and just hanging out, I could call my guys whenever. Yeah. You know, so I'd say communication with you guys. Do most of them ride with you, like, to the yeah. ramp? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And then they stay nearby. Some of them stay at the house. Yeah. You know, some of them stay at the house with me, Julian, Tim. Uh, gringo couple guys stay at the house sloan stays with me mm-hmm. um no it just depends on how it shakes out yeah and i i've uh when i was in texas uh buddy of mine owen gaylor you probably know, I know owen. Owen. Yeah, yeah. yeah you know he's got like a renovated downstairs mm-hmm. area to his house so he can put his clients up there but what i liked about it especially for people in rural communities you know that don't it's not like you're in miami and you got a hundred things you could go do within 20 minutes yeah it feels like when you have that mentality, not only is it more relational, but you're owning the whole experience, mm-hmm. you know, like you're going to make sure they have good breakfast and yeah, good dinner. For sure. so, what does that look like? Like talk me through, like, let's just pretend. Well, like, I ain't I'm making nobody you. breakfast. You can't so cook. Like, no, we're going to Piggly Wiggly and getting us a biscuit. But yeah, talk me through. All right. Let's just say I'm coming to fish with you. So we'll have ideally some good four dinner. to five days. We'll have some good suppers, you know, like the Canadian, he fishes with me. So, all right. So if you're coming in four to five days, we have this long established relationship you know we'll do we'll cook at the house you know like we'll do some steaks we got some good you know beef at the house i got mm. some right now ready for summertime uh we always go to the pig get a biscuit in the morning in Appalachia. Mm-hmm. uh then typically lacy makes sandwiches for us mm-hmm. now she's she's my sandwich girl so yeah she makes sandwiches and then we go there you know we'll go out to eat sometimes or we'll cook at the house 
for my guys. And then a lot of cornhole, a lot of. Well, that's when David comes over because he likes to lose money. Yeah, you know that's his deal. So how how do you try to manage now that you're married, like having all these guys at the house and? Oh, it I, don't bother me. Yeah, you know, they're my friends. You know, I'm I'm semi-social, so mm-hmm. I like to talk, hang out, and bullshit. So those guys, you know, I'm sure later on, you know, as it goes on in life, it's going to get tougher. You mm-hmm. know, and it, we've had those conversations, me and my guys. You yeah, know, like when I have a kid and all this stuff. Yeah. Well, that's like, you know, I have two daughters now, so I just had a friend in town and he was fishing with me and I was like, just stay at my house. You'll save money. And honestly, it'll be easier because we can just yeah, wake right. up and Yeah, there's and no, go. there's no, so the cool thing about it is when they stay with you, there's no crazy time schedule. Mm-hmm. You know, you just set your alarm and guess what? Okay. If you leave the house at, you know, 630 or at 642, you know, it doesn't matter. Yeah. You know, or 702. It Nobody's matter. sitting in a truck waiting. Exactly. So it makes it almost easier. Yeah. And I bet that I think that a lot of people, when you go and you, there's something about hunting and fishing with people that, you know, for thousands of years, people have done this together and it forges a bond. Mm -hmm. And then when you put that, if you just treat it like a business and it just becomes transactional, you know, it, it, it robs some of the hanging around, telling stories, you know, all that relationship piece that is part of the, I think the longing that people have with it, you know, that's the, like that's why everybody's like like and, and I was wrong like Chris Robinson told me one time when I was young because I wanted to fish all day every day mm-hmm. you know he told me and this is one thing that God has done like it you you lose your edge to go fish yourself you know and I've kind of lost that because it's not about me anymore mm-hmm. you know it's about the guy that's on the bow of the boat so that's what really drives me is to really give my client the best day possible how would you describe what's so special about that, you know, about having the that? fulfillment, you know, mm-hmm. that you see, you know, cause you, here's the thing about humans is you never know what they're going through off the water, you know, like this day fishing may mean more to this guy than you may ever know. Mm-hmm. You know, he may not tell you because, you know, most people don't tell you, mm-hmm. you know, what they're going through on a day to day basis. And I think that if you can maybe fill a void or, you know, bring happiness to them where somewhere maybe they were lacking in happiness that day, or, you know, maybe they had a bad day the next, you know, the day before and you, you made that week better for them. And I think that's, that's kind of what drives me. And, you know, when you think about that, is there a story or a moment that that clicked for you? Mm, I fished a kid one time that, um, I'm not going to say any names, but he, he was dealing with some stuff and I think, I think I helped him through some things, mm-hmm. you know, and I, and I, his dad texted me and told me, it told me, told me I helped him and I, you know, that made me feel pretty good about myself. Yeah. Just to know that that person had some yeah crazy stuff going on in their life and your 115th day of doing it yeah. the year. Yeah. It helped there. him out. Yeah. You know, and I'm, I'm, I'm not perfect by any means, you know, I make mistakes all the time on the water and. You know, sometimes I may say some things I'm not supposed to or whatever, you know, I'm mm-hmm. not, I'm a human, you know. What do you feel like you're working on now? Like how, how old are you? 36. 36. So what do you feel like, you know, if you, you look back at 18 to 36 and you think about the next 18 years, what are you trying to work on? Mm. Whew, that's tough. I don't, I don't, just trying to get better, mm-hmm. you know, trying to get so efficient that it's easier on me, mm-hmm. you know, that's the goal is to learn every little possible thing I could do. 
Are you happy with the amount of days that you're booking trips per oh, year? Yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm tapped out. Do you have like a desire to have people under you or are you just wanting to go deeper? I, I've with thought what about doing? that. I do give some trips to some folks. Um, I've thought about growing the business in that way. My wife's on me about doing it, but I, I've kind of just enjoyed just being me, mm-hmm. you know, just trying to help people out. I don't want to ever get to a business where people, I don't ever want somebody to look at me and think I'm greedy, mm-hmm. you know. I just want to be the given person that, you know, that takes care of his community, mm-hmm. you know, takes care of his waterway, you know, sustainability, and that's all I want to be. I know when my dad was starting his guiding business, he had talked to a guy down in Stewart, Florida, that had like a bunch of guides under him, and there were just a lot of logistics. And before yeah. you know it, you're you're managing you're managing people. You're becoming a manager. Yeah, and they know? depend on you. Yeah. You know, if you don't supply this many trips, you know. They look at you like you're not doing your job. And did you want that? Like, that's a lot on your shoulders when you know you got to provide for other families, you know? What's the, to you, what's the perfect business at, at 45 if you could just write it out and design it for you? Oh. Uh, How much on the water? And I'd probably say 200. I'm still going to try to stick to that. I, don't, I can't, my, our fishery won't let us fish, you know, 300 days a year. Mm-hmm. It won't. It's just not sustainable. Not where I live. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd probably say 200 days on the water at that age, you know, do my tarpon and my fall red fishing. That's my favorite things to do. Mm-hmm. I love my fall red fishing. It's just, it's like a breather from tarpon season. Mm-hmm. You know, you can go out there, enjoy your day. You know, you and your guys, we typically fish four hour days. We have success in four hours and life's good. You know, mm-hmm. you come home, watch Florida State football. I mean, what else can you ask for? You yeah. Know? shoot your bow in the afternoon and then you're getting ready for hunting season. And you were talking to me the other day about, I think, you know, a lot of people, they'll, they'll set up trips in the fishery or whatever. They, they just can't deliver on them. And they think they're, they're making some money up front, but they're hurting themselves on the back end. hundred percent. Will, you, will so, you explain that a little bit? So I've always, you know, like, I, you know, we, like we was talking the other day, like some people say, Oh, well, if you come tarpon fish with me, you got to come fish redfish with me. Well, you can't really do that, you know, not where I'm at. Mm-hmm. There's a time slot that you can redfish, but after that, it kind of goes to crap, you know. Mm-hmm. To me, it does, yeah. compared to what it used to be. You know, yeah. nothing's ever going to be what it was. Like, we just got to get that through our head because humans destroy everything they touch. Mm-hmm. Like right now, they're fighting. I don't know if you heard of this. They're fighting right now up on the river in Bainbridge. They talk about doing a monkey farm. Mm-hmm. With like forty thousand monkeys or something, yeah, right on the river. I didn't hear all the details, but yeah. I heard it's hard to keep up with all this stuff Dude, going it's on. It's crazy. It's crazy. But just think, if that happens there, you know, Apalachicola Bay, the oysters shut down right now for five years. That happens. Did the oysters ever open? You know, are you able to even swim in the river at some point? Mm-hmm. You know, because we don't go to the beach. We go to Sandflat up the river. You know what? What do you do? You know, all that concerns me, and I hope. That gets pushed to the side, which I think it will, hopefully. But politics are politics, so mm-hmm. we'll see. You said for you what success would look like would just be being a, a healthy member of your community. What Could you flesh that out a little bit mm-hmm. about like your desire to be involved in your, your city? Because some people hunker down. You know? Yeah, well, they want me, so everybody wants me to run right now for city commission. And I've kind of pushed the politics to the side you yeah. know but eventually i'm gonna have to because ta- my town's changing so much your town here is you yeah know? the development and all this stuff like at the end of the day apalachicola is not apalachicola without that water 
You know, mm. if you take that water away, what is Apalachicola? It's nothing. Mm. You know, realistically. Yeah, there's it's, nothing close by either. I no, mean, people go just, there to be there. It's a town with nothing. You know. Yeah. That's the only thing that delivers, and if you do not take care of that, you're not taking care of your town. Mm-hmm. You know. And another thing is, you know, like last year we, uh, and I'm sure you heard, we were got I worked with CCA, and we raised some money, and we got. 15,000 redfish released at 13 mile, mm-hmm. you know, to try to help, you know, fishing pressures growing, you mm-hmm. know, everywhere. I'm sure you see it here. Oh yeah. You know, we used to go, I mean, when, when my dad first got his tower boat, we used to every once in a while go over to Appalachian and then now we don't even do it anymore. There's so many people trying to triple tail fish. Oh, and, I mean, it's crazy. Like you're, you're the eighth boat to run by something. Yeah. That's a circus. All day. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember when I was a kid, there was only like, one or two people doing it, mm-hmm. you know. There wasn't many, you know. I can name them on my hand who was yeah. catching triple tail at the time. But you know, that's that's true with almost everything. I mean, you were talking about Duck Dynasty when I was a kid. I remember I took a couple trips to Tennessee, and then when I was sixteen, my dad got me like a little canoe, mm-hmm. and I lived by a lake in Tallahassee. That was pretty, actually, pretty good. I mean, for ringnecks, it was pretty good. And then um, Phil Robinson was speaking at a church in Quincy that my buddy's dad was a part of and we went there to see him and he couldn't even fill up this little, you know, this little church because the only people that knew him are people that like bought the VHS tapes at Bass Pro, you Mm -hmm. know, end of the aisle or whatever. And then it blew up. And then all of a sudden, like when I had a, when I was 16, I had a 14 foot canoe with like an old Johnson motor and all the old dudes who were doing it, who were, they were dialed in and really cool. They all had old, crappy boats too and then it got really crowded and i stepped out for i mean i don't know stepped out really heavy and then i had gone back out with a friend maybe six or seven years later mm-hmm. and those guys would have been making fun of my boats it was all like sixty thousand dollar boats and uh, yeah, you know I mean, duck boat. crazy i mean I'm, I'm i've got into the mud motors and modeled them and all that stuff and i got out of it you know mm-hmm. I, I still have a gator tail boat i got one with a outboard on it now but mm-hmm. i just use it for floundering frog and i did teal hunt early season i did mm-hmm. do that you know but. but it feels like some of those things have like ebbs and flows where i was joking the other day because one of my daughters is getting into squirrel hunting she doesn't really squirrel hunt but she likes to go scout and tell me where the squirrels are and then we'll go shoot a few in like the woods around the house and stuff and um, I was joking. I was like, we need to make squirrel hunting cool, you know, just get some sick shirt on and, yeah. you know, get a leather, but just kind of joking because there's sometimes there's things that ebb and flow and there's things like tarpon that feel like that feels like all, all flow. Yeah. You know? I, I mean, think, I think the tarpon fishing's like, it's whittling. It's, it's a grind though. You know, mm-hmm. it's not, it's not always guaranteed success, Yeah, you know, and the fishery, like I said, it's changing. Like it's not the same fishery it was 15 years ago. Well, why do you feel like through the flow and the popularity of tarpon, you've been able to kind of hold on to your love for it, and then it makes it a little harder with things like duck hunting? Do you ha- do you have a reason? Well, duck hunting was your hobby. Yeah. You know, tarpon fishing. You know, that's kind of your job. Yeah. You know, if you if if you said Brett, you're done, guide, and you can still I'd still tarpon fish, obviously, but I would do it a little differently. You know, I wouldn't be mixed in the crowds and I'd really, really, really focus on finding things that no one knows, you mm-hmm. know, and there's that still out there. I promise yeah. you it it's tons of stuff. Nobody knows still for you in this season of, you know, what you're doing with your business, who are some of the people you're looking up to trying to learn from? 
when I was growing up. Or, or right now. Like nobody now. Nobody now. No. Well, I'm when you were growing myself. up, what it looked like. So when I was young, um, my circle, I was very blessed. You mm-hmm. know, before I was guiding, I was I was in a circle with um guys like Chris, mm-hmm. Jason Rooker, Tommy, mm-hmm. David, Jerome, like all these all these guys I I you know, I was always in communication mm-hmm. before I was ever a guide, you know, and and I had li- like now when I was young, I had limits before I started guiding where I could and couldn't fish, you mm-hmm. know, because they were working over here. And this is when this fishery was tiny, you know, mm-hmm. there wasn't twenty five boats at a ramp, you know, yeah. those were just like you you saw a boat, you knew who it was, you know. So as a young guy, you you kind of knew, okay, these guys are working. I'm yeah, I stay stayed away from them, yeah. and you know, and I think that that etiquette that I had that I had to grow up with you know, translated as far as my guiding career also. Mm-hmm. Because people coming in now don't have that same etiquette, mm-hmm. you know. They don't respect, like, now there's places that I found on my own that are mine, you know, mm-hmm. and I expect to be respected, whether you're 30 years older than me or same age as me. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. You know, if I found it, and I know I found it, it's mine. Yeah. I'm going to piss on that rock, you know. Yeah. And as a as a young guide, like you're trying to, you're, you're staying away from where the older guides are and mm-hmm. they're helping you. They're giving you, you know, advice and kind of letting you advice. in the circle. Well, what yeah, did I was just like, in the and, circle. I proved myself to get in the circle. Okay. I found what did my that look own like? stuff. Finding your own stuff. Yeah. That's how I got in the circle. Things that other people didn't fish. And then for you, as it evolved, how did that, how did those dynamics? Oh, shift? my relationships with all those guys are still, they're still the same. Mm-hmm. You know, like I've, I'm fortunate enough I haven't burned any relationships because mm-hmm. if I know where people fish and I know where I, where I still have to respect those guys that came before me, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like, even though I'm at the kind of top of my game, there still has to be a level of respect for other people, mm-hmm. you know? What, what, when you were 18 outside of just finding your own spots, what were the big lessons those guys were trying to push on you with etiquette outside of just not going to the, stuff that you see them at or that they normally fish? Oh, they, there was really nothing they pushed on me. Chris Robinson's the one that pushed fly rod, fly fishing on me. Because mm-hmm. I'd always, I'd drive my bicycle at the time. My Uncle Squeaky would put my boat overboard, and I'd bring him pictures of tarpon, you know. This is back when you drug them in the boat, mm-hmm. you know. And then I was throwing plugs, and I'd bring him pictures of tarpon. He said, Brett, you need to catch one on a fly rod. So I did that. What did that process look like for you? Had you ever fly fished before? I did for brim when I was a kid with my daddy. Like, yeah. oh, we, we brim fished a whole bunch. Yeah. And then I was just like, well, time to do it this way. One, I went to Kevin's Sporting Goods. Yeah. Mr. Lynn up there. Yeah. You know Lynn? Mm-hmm. I did, yep. yeah. And uh, got me a fly rod there. And then Fitz Coker gave me one like a week later. Mm-hmm. He sent me one for Christmas. It was 11-weight G. Loomis. I won't ever was the oldest, the one he fished, and that's back when he was using the, let's say he was using Abel's back then, the Super 12s, mm-hmm. something like that, and fished that, and, you know, it took me a week to catch a tarpon on flat rod. Yeah, having already fun. known pretty pretty well where they were I swimming. I practiced that. Yeah, 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 I already knew what was going on. Yeah, you know, tell I me was, about that first tarpon, what you, <sighs> what was that like? It was cool, you know. It didn't really hook me, though, because I still pick up my old bait caster and throw. Yeah. Like, I love throwing plugs. Still love it. Like, one of my favorite things to do is throw, like, 
still bait cast trout. Like, yeah. That's one of my favorite things to do. Well, were you sight fishing them when you were doing the plug, or were you just kind of drifting around? I was doing both. You were doing both. I was doing both. If I could see them, I'd fling it. If I, you know, I remember my first experience seeing one because I never knew you could sight fish them. Mm-hmm. Never in my whole life. Like, I didn't know that was a damn thing. You know, I could mm-hmm. see brim, you know, as a kid, but I never knew certain situations I could look in the water and see a tarpon. Mm-hmm. I will never forget the first time I saw one. I saw him, and I threw a mirror lure top dog, pink top dog, yeah. and it smashed it. I will never forget that. That'll hook you. Yeah, that <laughs> fucked me up. I ain't yeah. gonna lie to you. I was like, I gotta have this. Yeah. What you was know? what was the first tarpon you put your hands on? Uh, I was. That was in two thousand. The first one I actually landed was in two thousand one. Yeah. So what is that? Twenty three years ago. Yeah. That was my first one. Did that make any type of shift to you? Or oh, that's you? all I did. Yeah. So when I was a kid, I would go tarpon fishing in the morning. And then I had this big obsession. I would go catch me a bunch of bogeys. I would just go fishing. And mm-hmm. I'd try to go how, catch how me old, a big bull shark. How old I was like thinking? 14, 15. Okay. I was all about catching me a big bull shark. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. I was just obsessed with them. Mm-hmm. I like catching big stuff. You probably feel a little different seeing bull sharks swim up now. Yeah, I ain't a big fan of them. Yeah. yeah. I'm not saying I treated them nicely back then, but you yeah. Know, but I don't know. That was just part of my... My little thing. And then I got where I tarpon fish in the morning, then triple tail a little bit, you know, as I got a little older. And then now I don't really triple tail fish at all, mm-hmm. you know, because of what we talked about. Yeah, the circus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm not dealing with that. Yeah. And now it's just tarpon and redfish, you know, and I have some guys. I fished two guys for basically 28 days during the fall. Mm-hmm. And then. They, um, I have one of them that's really awesome. His name's Brad, and he lets me do a little spin fishing, too. Yeah. Well, I call it spin fishing. I'm throwing a bait caster the whole time. Yeah. Well, when you think about your best clients, and one of the cool things for me is getting to talk to guys who, you know, like you and David and, and some of the older guys in Homosassa who just, they've got certain clients that have been fishing with them 20 years, and mm-hmm. they're really great anglers. And that obviously helps with the success, right? Because sometimes I think it's hard for young guys to be on fish, but they haven't developed the client roster or their clients up to where, you know, they're getting those great shots there. And so when you think about a great angler that's on your boat, what are the things that you're looking for outside of the obvious of just casting? What do you notice about them? Uh, practice when they're not fishing, you know, that's what I tell all my guys, like to be successful, you can't just pick up a fly rod for five days when you're on the boat with me. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to practice at your house. What does that look like? Like, I got a guy that actually, um, he actually has like a piece of like a board, you know, like the little balancing boards. Mm-hmm. He has that, and he has a little, you know, like basically a fake tarpon in his yard. And he balances and throws, yeah, to the tarpon in the yard. Yeah. I got one of those, yeah, the rev board. Yeah, it's got kind of like I do that. it with my yeah. kids. You know, it's pretty fun and. Um, so he'll, so he'll be on the balance board throwing, throwing yeah, practicing, you know, just trying to get better. Yeah. How much like ideally, I mean, if you can't do it every day, what, what I'd do you probably what, say once a week, once you know, a week. I got a guy, prime example, and you see him, Robert Scott, Scott and Wallace, mm-hmm. uh, real estate, I mean, not real estate, but attorney, law, yeah, yeah, law attorney office, in Tallahassee. Yeah. He started fishing with me and I, he'll probably agree with me. He couldn't cast very well. Mm-hmm. You know, and he did exactly what I told him to, and now he's what's what, a what's really that? good. Give caster. us that, like what what exactly? I just told him to practice, practice, practice. Yeah. You know, anybody I can show you what to do, but just say if you you know 
Like, I have one guy, man, I ain't picked up a fly rod since I fished with you last. So you know what I think in my head right there? We're screwed. Yeah. You know, we're not screwed, but we're not going to have the same success rate mm-hmm. as what they want to have. Mm-hmm. You know, you're investing this money to come down here and fish. Like, let's let's. What fish. are the things you're trying to zero in on? Because I know a lot of people when they first start, they're just like, they're just doing. Yeah, but casting. How is, far can I get it? Yeah, so that's what's not even other, what you have to yeah. worry about. Transition, you know transition the cast you give me 50 feet we're good you know i can make it work yeah i can move the boat get the boat where it needs to be transition from stripping to hook setting you know to stacking line you know mm-hmm. being quick with okay you miss that shot let's restack our line in the bucket mm-hmm. you know all that is what really really matters in the grand scheme of things yeah you know it doesn't matter how pretty your cast is you can have the ugliest cast in the world if you can get it 50 feet and you do the rest perfect hell give me that all day when you think back to all all your years, you know, from the moment you started officially guiding, are there any stories that really stand out to you that were monumental? Kind of, you know, you're going to have them when you're an old man. Oh, man, I got so many stories. Some things I can't. Yeah, I mean, there's some days I've had on the water. Get us to the edge of what you can share, you know. Yeah, I just can't share what I've done on the water. I, I'm sorry, but I can't, I can't do that. Yeah. Uh, I've had some pretty spectacular days on the water mm-hmm. you know and uh, uh the the stories that will probably realistically when i grow old is the things that i've found mm-hmm. you know like that just the the research that goes into you know just learning all this stuff the thinking the studying maps and contours and not even about like there's so much more that I can't dive in on here. Yeah, yeah. You know, but there's so much more that goes into it than just, you know, Google Earth, I'll yeah. put it that way. Well, I was thinking even more like, you know, funny stories or really meaningful moments on the boat or, you know, someone's first red redfish, someone's first tarpon or Man, I know I've, you had a tarpon I've, jump in the boat. And I've had two of damage. them jump in the boat. Yeah. I've had one of them that was not hooked jump in the boat that absolutely freaking destroyed my shit. Wow. And then I had another one that I was actually fighting mm-hmm. with with Tim jumped in the boat and it didn't destroy as much that time. Yeah. But the first one wrecked. I was with Doug Dickinson the first time. It what did. what do you do when that happens? I mean, it gets in the cockpit and you just get out the yeah, way. I just let that bitch flop for me. Yeah. You know? It was destroying shit. Yeah. Like Cuz you can't really do anything. Rod right? holders. I mean, no, you yeah. can't do. And then Doug actually grabbed that one, put him in the water. You know. But, you know, I mean, the stories, though, I mean, I, I've had some funny stories. Man, I've had so many first-time tarpon. Mm-hmm. You know, it's hard to really put a, a pin on which one really, you know. I've, I had a guy one time that he he told me he'd been chasing tarpon for 10 years or something like that, and he got really emotional after his first one. Mm-hmm. Like, that was probably one I will always remember. Yeah. You know, how emotional he got. You know, it's probably like me when I shot that, which I will never share the video, but I shot that big deer last year in Mexico and I was to pieces, mm-hmm. you know, it's probably the same type of reaction. Yeah. You know? I, well, I think for me, like I like, I'm okay being new at something. I don't mind being. That's the fun you know, part of yeah. it. Yeah. But a lot of people, new. they, they can't stand it. What being. Be, like older people have a hard time starting something new because they just are so afraid of. Failure. Failure mm-hmm. and afraid of not looking like they know what they're doing. And they miss those really amazing moments where just one little puzzle piece clicks in. That's you know? right. I mean, and you can't worry about. There's so many things like everything. Every day there's something new in life, mm-hmm. you know, 
that's the way I look at it. Is you just got to learn every day. Mm-hmm. You know, take it day by day. What's the next for you? You know, whitetail. You're doing whitetail with the bow. Is there anything that you're kind of looking at, going, man? I kind of want to get into that when I free up some capacity. I'd probably try to shoot an elk at some point. Yeah, that'd be pretty fun. Yeah. It's just I ain't trying to. Them things are expensive in some places. Oh know? yeah. So I'm just relaxing. Just listening to Cameron Haynes and yeah, all yeah, those guys. Yeah, I and, can't do all that. I ain't swinging that kind of money. Yeah, that's pretty intense. But what about fishing? I mean, is there any mm, trips you want to take I or probably, place you want to go? If there's one place I ever wanted to go, it's probably to Everglades. Mm-hmm. I ain't never. I fished the Keys last spring. It was cool. The baby tarpon was awesome. Mm-hmm. Like that was the coolest little thing. Like I enjoyed that. I know a lot of the guys don't really fish for them a lot, but that was pretty cool to me because I've never get to catch little yeah ones, yeah you know? so it's pretty awesome but probably the everglades i'd like to go snook fishing down there yeah you know i'm a dirty water i like dirty water man i don't i'm not a big crystal clear water kind of guy the dirtier the better yeah and the everglades just kind of strikes me as that's kind of up my alley because last time we talked i know f- for somebody who's been guiding so long and has had so much success you really stay in your zone a lot. Are you a homebody or? Yeah, there... I'd say I'm a homebody. Yeah. I love home. I love, I love where I'm from, you know, but I also don't want to, you know, like go to somebody else's home and disrupt their, you know, what they're doing. Yeah. You know, it's a respect thing, you know, and I think that's from being a kid, learning etiquette, mm-hmm. you know, like. Well, I'm what about being... like hosted trips where, you know, you're I'm... paying and. I've you still have a big that. desire on that, or not really? Yeah. Then it's just some. I don't. I won't get into all that, but yeah, I'm just who It's I not am. as fun for you to no. be. Yeah. To be on a trip like that, because yeah, you, what am I doing? I'm being guided then. Yeah, you know? and you don't like that. Yeah, all I am is a conversation piece. Yeah. You know, I mean, I've thought about. It. I've got the offer to do it, but I don't. Know. I just like what I do. You mm-hmm. know, I like deer hunting. I like my breaks. I like to hang out with my dogs. Yeah. You know. That's what do the breaks look like for you, the off-season time? Oh, so, like I said, Thanksgiving, I'll fish. This year, I fish Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. Thanksgiving Day, got done, ate with the family. Then, three days later, I went to Texas. Come mm-hmm. back home. Uh, the Mexico, they was in drought. They had a lot of rain, but this one pasture that my guy, buddy has, he uh, it was it, it didn't get hit with the rain. So, his, his horn growth went way down. So I didn't get to go out there this year. And then I just been hunting up north of Appalachia a little bit around Bluntstown. Yeah. And uh had some little bit of success up there. Yeah, and that's something that you get to do with your wife, you know. Yeah, she gets to come. She comes to Texas. Like she went yeah. to Mexico with me. She likes to she likes to go. And uh for you with with, you know, kind of getting geared up for tarpon season, are you doing a lot of just physical resting like you just spend a lot of days hanging out around the house or are you you pretty busy though around no, town? I hang, I hang out around the house with the dogs yeah that's what i do you know i hang out and i'm not a super busy person you're not into golf or i can't play no golf i don't play golf either but i've tried it what, when you're at the house what are you doing just on the phone yeah talking you know talking to my guys talking to you know, the people in the industry that I deal with, checking mm-hmm. on them, yeah. things like that. Just keeping those friendships alive, mm-hmm. you know. And I, I, like I said, at one point this year, I was, you know, obviously, you know, sometimes during the winter you fall into a little funk. Yeah, yeah. You know, I did for about a month, you know, and kind of disassociated where, you know, and then now it's just like, all right. 
It's yeah, getting the sun's time to getting go back again. up. That's right. It's yeah. starting to warm up a little bit again. Yesterday was the first day for me in what felt like months. I just had the sun on my skin all day. Yeah, it felt you great. Know? And it wasn't the wind wasn't blowing 15, 20 knots. We've yeah, had a it wasn't bad twenty five degrees. Yeah, we've had a bad winter here too, as far as wind it's been and wet. rain. Yeah. It's been terrible. The rain's been since since I've lived in this zone since I was I guess twelve. I feel like I've never seen this much water throughout winter. It's, it's, it's got to be high. So right you know what's crazy? When I was a kid, we used to run deer dogs in the river system in Appalachia. And I don't ever, ever, ever remember the river being high for, I don't know, probably 10 years I did that with my uncle. Mm-hmm. You know, And I don't ever remember the river being at flood stage then. Mm-hmm. Now, it seems like it stays at flood. You know, midway through the winter, you're at flood stage. You know, mm-hmm. like right now, I think it's at 12 foot. Yeah. You know, there's water over the banks. Like, we didn't have that when I was young. I don't understand where. And it could have been, it seems like ever since Michael, you know, the hurricane, mm-hmm. we've had more water coming down the river, which would make sense because of all the tree loss. Yeah, know? yeah. You know, I don't, I don't, I'm pretty sure a pine tree, I'm not sure the exact number, but it absorbs a lot of water yeah. a day. Yeah, I haven't even thought about that. That yep. makes sense. Yeah, yeah, when you drive through there, it's, it's not the same. No, no. Tyndall yeah. stinking all the way up, you know, all the way. I mean, the river system kind of, some of it bends that way and some of it comes that way. Yeah. You know? And a lot of the, a lot of the, I guess you could call it wetlands, a lot of the timber got destroyed, mm-hmm. you know. And without that, you can kind of think all that's coming right down to us, mm. you know. If, if you could go back, this is the last question, but, you know, I, I think we interviewed probably probably three years ago, four years ago. Yeah, it's probably three. Probably three probably or four. four. If you could four. go back and just give yourself one little piece of advice, what would it be? No uh, stock tips. I hadn't changed, I'll tell you that. Yeah. I have not changed as a human. Is uh, that important to you to try to protect that? I mean, I know you yeah. like to learn, but. Yeah, I would say just keep learning. Stay yourself, you know. Don't ever change. Like, that, that's the problem, like. I see people become chameleonaires, you know, they change with their environment mm. and I just say, stay yourself, mm. you know. What's the, what's the secret of that? You think what helps someone with that? Being true, you know, being honest, you know, I mean, that's just, just being a good person, you know, mm-hmm. that's the bottom line in life. I think if you're a good person to everybody, it will come back to you mm. at some point, you know, treat everybody like you want to be treated. And I can be an asshole. I'm not saying I'm not. I've been yeah. that way on the water, and I've I've done things. But I, I, my thing to be an asshole on the water is just because I, like when I was younger, I was taught to respect others. You know, yeah. and when I feel like I don't get respected or or someone, everybody should be respected. I don't want to be mean to somebody. Yeah, I even respect other people, but please respect me. You yeah, know? that's all I ask. Well, I appreciate the time, man. I'm excited to do it in a couple more years. Hell yeah. Yeah, you know, we'll We'll have a good time. Yeah, we'll keep we'll keep the stories coming, man. But I appreciate it and thanks for making time today. I appreciate you, Bubba. Thank you for thanks for having me. Of course. Thanks for listening to Captain's Collective. We hope that you enjoyed our conversation together. Help us out by leaving a review on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts, and please continue to share with friends and family. Thanks for listening. This is the Captain's Collective.
A life that has the stories to back it. A life to be proud of. It's a Winchester life. Yeah, baby. 6-8 Western. Oh, I'm mule there, baby. Right there. Tune in every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. Brave anglers search for the one they call king, but who will take his throne? Tune in to Waypoint TV's Battle for Silver, Saturday, May 18th from 12 to 6 p.m. Eastern. Presented by Abyss Battery. Waypoint TV.